All right, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20 says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come and um, reflect on your word and be challenged by it, encouraged by it this week. Um, Lord, we, um, we know this morning that your word is the source of our strength. Because your word is your truth and you have, you have established it for us. You have um, provided it to us. And God, through the faithful saints who recorded these words. and um, So God, we cherish this time to look at scripture and to even just think about the importance of it uh, today. And, and Lord, I pray that we will be challenged this morning to, uh, to find our hope and find our strength and, and find uh, the resources we need for all that life throws at us. Um, within the living word of God. God, we do, we thank you for this time and, and pray that your spirit would guide and direct uh, every word that I say and direct our hearts toward you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right, so this morning we're continuing a series on going together, which is uh, the vision statement of our church, which is simply this, a community of people restored to relationship with God through Jesus Christ, going together to share God's love with clear water in the world. The past couple weeks we focused on two items uh, go, a going God that we serve, uh, and us in response to that being a going people, that we serve a God as he has served us, and that he is a going God, and, and we thus also are going people. We reflect his image, we're created in his image, and we're called to partner with him in the mission of going. Um, and for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, the together component of, uh, of our vision, which is going together. And there are five sort of areas that I've focused on um, throughout this time, and there, you could probably add more, uh, but these are the ones that are on my heart and particular to my heart. Uh, most of them come from a passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, um, and the five components are these. These are the things that we do together as we go in the places that we're called to. We, we learn together, we live together, we celebrate together, we pray together, and we serve together. These come directly from Acts 2.42, which says this, And they, being the newly found Christians of the time, uh, those, that responded to, um, those that responded to Peter's uh, challenge to repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit, those that responded to that challenge to become disciples of Jesus were doing these things. This is what they looked like. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Those four things comprise the first four things that, that we have in our list, which is the apostles' teaching. We learn together. 
What do we learn about? We learn about what the apostles taught. What do they teach? They taught the Word. They taught, uh, they taught from the Old Testament. They taught from the, the letters that they sent back and forth to one another. So we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And in the next couple weeks, we'll look at uh, the fellowship. Uh, fellowship meaning that, that we share life, that uh, we don't just like, it's not just about our uh, 15 minutes before service here that we get to enjoy a beautiful snack that Sandy has prepared for us, um, uh, but that it's about our lives together, being in community with each other and being dependent upon um, one another and, and accepting the help of one another. The fellowship, the, the breaking of bread, uh, this is really a celebration of what God has done, and we'll talk about how we celebrate together and, and the prayers that we pray together and that that is a core of who we are. And finally, uh, later in, in Acts 2, 42, uh, we, we see that we also serve together. So we'll get into those things over the next few weeks. Um, today, though, we're talking about learning together, that we learn together. Uh, a key component of being together is being willing to say that, uh, that I haven't got everything figured out on my own, that actually I need the perspective, knowledge, and experience of those around me uh, to understand the, the full impact of the gospel on humanity. And so when, when we're commanded here by Jesus in the commission uh, to his disciples, there are a few things he tells us to do. He says, go make disciples of all nations, right? Tell them the gospel, baptize them in the full knowledge the, of the Father, of the Holy Spirit, of, of the Son of God. And finally, teach them, Jesus saying, teach them everything, teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. Uh, from the commission itself, we are given instruction that, that our lives are, uh, are, are incomplete in our knowledge of the Father, that there's a continual learning that occurs in life. And that we ought to engage in that with those that we see come to faith. And that we ought to engage in that ourselves as we, as we follow the Lord. <clears throat> Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Um, in seminary, uh, my professors, when they looked at this passage, always comment on it in that too many times in church world, we, uh, we, we give the great omission, which is, uh, we say instead, teach them everything that I have taught you, basically. And what it says is actually teach them to observe, teach them to obey, teach them to follow in all that I have taught you. Too often we just take the knowledge component of it and say, teach them the information. And what he's calling us to do is teach us to obey, teach us to observe, teach us to follow and apply this message. So we're going to look at a few things as we walk through this. Um, we've got an outline there on, on the back of the uh, worship guide. There are four sort of movements in this uh, that we, we learn from Jesus, that we learn from Scripture, that we learn from our circumstances, and finally, that all those things are wrapped up in a communal learning together. That those aren't meant to end with us, but they're meant to be shared by us as a community. So first, you know, obviously from the statement of Jesus, his, his command to his disciples at the time that he's, he's giving the uh, commission to expand the kingdom of heaven to all the ends of the earth, he's giving this responsibility to them. He says to them, teach them everything, teach them to observe everything that I have taught you. And so the obvious question for us then is, 
if we're to be learning, what are we to be learning? We're to be learning what Jesus taught us. And I struggled with trying to consolidate this and think about like, what, what all does that mean? And, uh, and, and where can I go to get a, a good summary of like, what all did Jesus teach us to observe? Because he taught us a lot. Um, successful or unsuccessful, I'm not really sure, but I've got four things uh, that I, I put these into categories of, and, and uh, so I'll share these with you. These are the things that we learn from Jesus and can observe. God is with us, and he shall be called Emmanuel. God is with us. We should learn from the scripture that, that God is with us. It's very easy to forget that um, when we face the things we face week in and week out. But God is with us. He is a God that is with us. From the, the beginning, from His naming, and from His coming, He is with us. And, and from uh, just before His ascension, as He speaks to these disciples, He says, what? And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And when I leave, I will send a comforter to you. The Holy Spirit is going to come and be with you. God is with us. Jesus is, is with us in heaven, interceding on our behalf constantly. The Father has always been with us. He is present in all things. The Holy Spirit is living, residing inside of us. And uh, we should not see these three as separate from one another. They're in complete unity. God is with us. What do we learn from him? We need to learn to apply that to our lives. That as I come in here in the morning and and fire up my computer and turn on the espresso machine or whatever, that when I'm doing that, God is walking with me. That when you go into your place of work or go with your family, you're not going on your own. God is with you. God is with us. That's what we learn from Jesus in his incarnation and in his life. God is holy. We learn from Jesus that God is holy. So often we think about Jesus as uh, like the, just the love aspect of God, um, that he's the one that says you shouldn't judge anybody and like, you know, everything's just going to be perfect. There's no judgment, no, no uh, um, you know, it's, it's all about love with him. And that's true. That's true. I mean, he, he, he is love. He, he walks in love and he, and he sacrificed himself for us. But we have to step back and ask the question, why did he have to sacrifice himself for us? Because we were broken. Because we constantly broke God's law and we constantly break his law. And we should not be remiss to remember that Jesus preached that, that he is the fulfillment of the law, not the abolisher of it. He's the fulfillment of it. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20 say this about um, really the holiness of God and uh, that there hasn't been a shift in God's character when Jesus came on the scene, that Jesus was always holy, uh, that God was always holy, and he still is holy even through Jesus' ministry, and he's holy even now. Nothing has changed with the character of God. He still, uh, he actually demands our righteousness to be in his presence and so what does he say here in Matthew five seventy to 20? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot 
will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, teaches others to do the same, will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' teaching is about holiness, and, and he goes on beyond that and, and speaks of things like murder and lust and says, like, listen, if you hate your brother, you have murdered him in your heart. It's just, there's no, like, it's broken you. You were broken before God in that, in that thought, in that belief about your brother. If you have hate in your heart toward your brother, you may as well be murdering him. Jesus doesn't remove the law. He actually makes it almost stricter in some ways. You can hammer on that pretty hard, and uh, some people can hammer on just that pretty hard and and go the wrong way as well. Uh, You know, when he says here, your righteousness should exceed the, the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, the fact is, it is not possible to be righteous enough to be in the presence of a holy God. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not possible for any of us to achieve a righteousness level that is going to allow us into the presence of God. And that's exactly why Jesus came. He came because we couldn't do it on our own. He came because we couldn't achieve a righteousness above that of the Pharisees. He came to give himself. He is holy. And that leads to the other thing that Jesus taught and that God is compassionate. God is compassionate. This is seen in his incarnation. This is seen in his display of God's holiness. He is compassionate. This is, this is seen clearly in the way that Jesus interacts with people throughout his ministry. Uh, going and speaking to the woman at the well, walking through Samaria, uh, telling parables that highlight uh, a, a racial divide between the Jews and the Samaritans and say, actually, uh, the good neighbor in this picture is the Samaritan. He challenged them deeply and said, Look, you've got to expand your understanding of what compassion is. He did miracles when miracles didn't seem like they were deserved for people. And finally, he sealed it with sacrificing himself. If we want to know what Jesus taught, he taught that God is compassionate. He taught that God is willing to give up everything to restore his creation unto fellowship with himself. Finally, he taught that our love for God equates to radical love for others. Our love for God means we love others in a radical way. The command in Scripture, Jesus comes to a man and says, you know what? you know, what do you think the greatest of these commandments are? And the man answers, he says, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yeah, that's right. Good job. Uh, And the man says, "Uh, who's my neighbor? Bad idea. (laughs) And Jesus says, well, actually, the Samaritan's your neighbor, so um, you should love him. It's basically saying, your enemy is your neighbor. So 
the one you ought to love as God loved you is your enemy. Because that's exactly what God's love did. You know, before we knew God, before we came to the love of Christ Jesus, we were enemies of God. We were walking contrary to his law, contrary to the forgiveness that he had provided for us. We were his enemies, and yet he still loved us. And so the call, the teaching of Jesus is, love your neighbor, that includes your enemy. What do we learn from Jesus? God is with us, he is holy, he is compassionate, and his love is radical. We learn from Jesus. We learn from Scripture. Uh, We see this in a number of ways, and I'm going to list a couple of Scriptures here that uh, point this out for me. Acts 17.11, we looked at this a little bit on on Tuesday. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into a Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. When the Brians were confronted with the gospel, when, when Paul came to them and said, the Messiah has come and his name is Jesus, he sacrificed himself on the cross and he rose three days later, you ought to repent and believe in him. They received it and said, we want to check, we, we think we believe you, but we want to check that against scripture. And they were counted as more noble because of that. They said, Let's, let, can we look at the Scripture, the Old Testament, can we can compare what you're saying to the Old Testament and see if those things are true? They learned from Scripture. And as a result of their going back to the Old Testament, they saw, as we saw through our study in Hebrews, that Jesus is portrayed in the Old Testament. He is seen in it. He's the fulfillment of it. So the call to us is to learn from Scripture and to test everything that anybody says is thus say the Lord against Scripture. And so as I preach to you, as I come before you with a text and say, this is what the Lord says from His Word, I challenge you. If I'm wrong, let me know about it. I'm not above making mistakes of interpretation. I'm not. And so it's important for us, when I say this is true, for you to say, what about here? What about here? I appreciate those questions. I, I need them to refine me. We're in this together. Uh, my one of my friends' buddies just came to mind. One of my friends, friends' buddies. One of my friends' dads uh, had a, a quote on his Facebook. He says, "I'm always right." You might have heard this quote before. I'm always right. And when I'm wrong, you can tell me why I'm wrong, and then I'll still be right. Right? <laughs> he's always right because if he's wrong, you can just come tell him, and then he'll be right again. Anyway, that was funny. We're all open to, uh, to learning from one another. We learn from Scripture, 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17. It says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped 
for every good work. That's the breath of God recorded for you on pages. It's amazing. We're numb to it because we have so many of these laying around in our culture, but like, that's the breath of God. You want to know what God says about life? There it is. Like, it's right before you. You have it in your hands. You're holding the very breath of God in your hands. We can learn from it. As this, as this text says, it's, it's profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training. Why? That we might be equipped for the works that God has for us. We learn from Scripture. Finally, Hebrews 4, verse 11 to 12 says this, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When you're questioning your motives or your direction or what you ought to do, what does the Scripture do for you? It cuts to the heart of your soul. It says, why am I doing this? Is this for me or is this for God? The Word of God is living and active. It's not a historical document. It is. I mean, in, in, in one sense, there is his history within it. But the reason that history is recorded isn't just to have a historical record. The reason it is recorded is to be living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, to pierce and divide your soul, to draw you closer to the heart of the Father. It, it, it's, it's not there just to know what happened uh, to a small band of uh, a nation over the course of time in the Old Testament, and then some, you know, some guys that became Christians after that. Like, it's, not like, it's not a historical record alone. It is a living document that the, the stories of how God was faithful to that chosen nation and how God was faithful to those believers who came and repented and were baptized and followed Jesus. It's how God was faithful to those people that shows us how powerful and loving and caring He is. It is living and active. We learn from Scripture. We learn from Jesus. We learn from Scripture. We learn from circumstances. Paul records in Philippians 4, 11 to 12, and I'll be brief with this one. Um, Philippians 4, 11 to 13 says this, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for, for I have learned that in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That doesn't mean lift a bus, you know, like, unless you can lift a bus, and then it's cool. Give glory to God for that. Um, but I can't. What is he saying there? He's saying that he's been in every circumstance. He's, he's abounded in prestige and in wealth, and he's been afflicted with pain and poverty. And what has he found? He can be content in every circumstance. He has learned that in spite of the circumstances, every circumstance you might face in life, that God is faithful. Okay, so these are a few things that we can, how, how we can learn, right? We can learn from Jesus and what he's done. We can learn from the scripture that's been recorded for us. We can learn from the circumstances that God has ordained and allowed in our lives. 
And too often we stop there and say that this is an individual message. That this is a message for Blake to apply, or this is a message for John to apply, or this is a message for Ellen to apply. Like, that it is an individual message that we are supposed to be applying just to ourselves alone. And, and what I want to say to you, and what I want to share with you, is that uh, we miss a huge part of our call as a people if we stop there and say, well, I just need to depend on Jesus and the Scripture and my circumstances and learn from those things and apply that, and then I'll, you know, I'll be good. Now, we're called to learn together. Uh, the things God is doing in your life and in my life, He is doing for the benefit not of me, or not of you, but for the benefit of those around you that will come after you have gone through that experience. So, so when they're going through that experience, you can come alongside them and say, I know it doesn't feel like God's faithful right now, but let me tell you, He is. And this is how I've seen it. And I'm not joking about it. I'm not just giving you words. Like, He's faithful. This learning from the Lord and, and learning from His Word and learning from circumstance isn't about us as individuals. It's about us as a body of believers. Because the fact is, when you're weak, you're weak if you're by yourself. Because all you see is what you see. Those are the moments, those are the moments when you have to have around you. Those will come beside you and say, I know you're weak and it's going to suck for a long time maybe but I'm here. I'm here with you. And I want to learn through this with you. We're called to learn together. We're called to depend on each other. Uh, In fact, I'm not going to go through the same experiences in life as any of you. It might be similar, but we're all going to have different experiences in life, different things and struggles that we've gone through. You know what's cool is that because of that, I can look across the room and see someone who's experienced the same gospel and the same love of the Father that's been applied to a completely different circumstance and situation. And I can give glory to God and say, yes, you're faithful. All your promises are yes and amen. We learn together. One of the things that we're convicted about is that we ought to be intentional about, um, about learning together and finding ways that we can increase our uh, dependence on each other in knowledge of who God is and what He's done. And so a number of things we do as a result of that and, and believe as a result of that. And first is this, that uh, at, at Restoration Church, we are committed to um, communal, expositional study, and preaching. And what that means is that uh, we slowly walk through Scripture, not in this particular series, but we slowly walk through Scripture, like Hebrews, right? We very, very slowly walk through Scripture. Um, So that we understand the context, right? 
We understand that uh, the writer of Hebrews starts out with uh, showing the majesty and all-powerfulness of Jesus and compares that to a number of things, including angels and Moses and the law and the high priest, and shows the argument that Jesus is greater than all these things. And he he shows in that argument that that, uh, we see God's faithfulness through the entirety of the Old Testament and see that once-for-all sacrifice has been given in Jesus. And and so as we do an expositional study, we're not just jumping around the Bible and seeing random snippets of what Blake thinks is interesting. No, we're looking at a text that's been given to a people in a certain circumstance and situation, and we can now apply that text to our lives because we understand how it was originally sent to its original hearers and, and bridge the gap. There's 2,000 years since the last thing was written in this book. So there's a cultural gap. And so there's an understanding level that has to be uh, crossed. And that's why we go a book at a time, expositional, slowly walking through a passage at a time so that we can understand better what is in here and so that I can't hide things from you. <laughs> you know what? If I skip something, you're like, well, why, why did Blake skip that chapter? That was sort of weird. I never do that to you. Um, can't do it. So expositional study and communal. Communal. Uh, this is why we gather on Tuesday to look at the scripture and say, okay, uh, this is the text that we're going to be looking at this week. And, um, you know, what, what does it say to you? Like, what, what, like, when you read this, what do you see? What do you observe? What do you, what do you have questions about? Like, how does it impact you? How does it apply to your life right now? It's communal because, again, your experience with Jesus and, and your understanding of, of the Scripture and your circumstances are different than mine. And so when you read the same passage as me, you're going to see something completely different in its application. And so that's a beautiful thing to be able to do that together and, and sit across the room from someone and say, wow, like I didn't even see see that at all. Didn't even know that was a question. Didn't even know that was an application. Like, you expand your understanding of the grace of God when you're able to look at it together with another group of people. It's communal, expositional study and preaching. A second thing that we are committed to um, is this, that we desire to declare the truth to one another. in teaching, in preaching, and in prophetic utterance as the Spirit enables us or directs us. God has given us each gifts. He has gifted each of us in various ways. Some of us He's gifted to teach. Some of us He's gifted to prepare a sermon and to preach. Some of us He is gifted to speak a truth bluntly into our lives and say, you need to respond to this. <laughs> That's called being prophetic. It's got sort of some terminology to it that makes us sort of afraid of it, but all it is is calling a spade a spade right before you and, and being bold enough and willing enough to, to say things that need to be said. And so as a community, we open ourselves to that and say, okay, let's learn from each other. Let's be challenged by each other. Let's grow together. Let's learn together. See, if, if you take your experience with Jesus and your experience with the Scripture and your experience with the circumstances that you've been in and just box them up into your house, they haven't completed the, the, 
the commission that was given to you. They've just become knowledge that you've stored up for yourself. The, the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples was to teach them to observe everything that I have taught you. That means there is an application inherent in what I learn for other people to learn. There's, a, there's an application inherent in what you learn for me to learn from you. The Great Commission is, is really about, is, is also about learning together. If we're going to fulfill this command to observe all that he has called us and taught us, we must teach others to observe what he has taught us. So go with this. Jesus has taught us who God is, that he's with us, that he's holy, that he's compassionate, and that he's called us to a radical love. Go with this, that his scripture is faithful. His word is true and powerful. And it isn't just a historical book recorded to chronicle events that happened in the past. It is a living word that divides your soul and flesh. Learn from your circumstances. God isn't in the business of accidents. There is a prevalent ideology that says all of life is just happenstance and, um, and chance. And it's a lie because the world and the universe is upheld by the hand of Jesus. It was created by His power and His might. And it is not by accident. It is with great intention that the Lord has created the world as He has. It is with great intention that He has sent His Son to die for a broken world, that we might be restored to Him. Learn from your circumstances because they are there for a purpose. Finally, be open to sharing those things with other people. We need each other, and um, we need to be there for each other because some days we're going to be strong, and other days we're going to be weak. And the more knit together we are, uh, the better we can depend on each other in those weak moments. Ecclesiastes, I'm going to butcher this because I, can't, I haven't memorized this verse in a while, but in Ecclesiastes it says, basically, again, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, um, that a, like a two-cord rope is strong, but a three-cord rope can't be broken. You know? The more, more woven pieces of thread you get on a big thick rope, the stronger it is. is that's, what, that's what it's saying. So if you're just one little skinny thread, you know what? Circumstance is going to cut that in half in a second. If you're tied together one to another, not so easy. One might be feeling weak, but the other two are feeling real strong. And the more you add to that, the stronger it gets. Let's learn together. Let's learn to go together. God, we thank you for this time you've given us. We thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. We thank you for the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct my words in our hearts. God, my prayer is that you would continue the work that you have started, that you would continue to knit us together as the body of Christ you've called us to be. God, I am thankful for the things that you are doing in this community. 
Um, I'm thankful that we have been called to this place at a certain time for a certain purpose. May we embrace that. May we embrace that every person that is in this room this morning is here, not by accident, but by design. We thank you for this all in Jesus' name. Amen.